Welcome to episode 83 of The People on K-Chung, 1630 AM. I'm Ben White. And I'm Matthew Timmons. Our guests on this episode are Joe Sola and Michael Webster. Joe Sola is an artist that lives and works in Los Angeles. We had a plant in the audience, too, that earlier said this is bullshit and stormed out from the second row just to, to communicate to the audience, yeah, it's okay to leave. You know, like, this does suck. So, you know, if you're feeling that inside of you that maybe this performance is a waste of your time, like, go, you know, leave. Joe's exhibition, I Drove to San Francisco and Back, is currently up at Honor Fraser Gallery in Culver City, California. And he's also in a show at Used Museum Shanghai called In Production, Art and the Studio System. Michael Webster is an artist and musician in Los Angeles. You know, w- when you are trying to entertain people, you got to do anything you can. Uh, and if you have minutes to fill, sometimes, you know, if you, if you, if you can get people to be bored, that's something, that's, uh, that's currency. Because then, then you can turn around and, and do something comical and then cash in on it, right? Michael is also a composer, conductor, performer, and recording artist who's created film scores, albums, art songs, and operas, among many, many other things. And at the end of the show, we're going to hear an excerpt from a current work in progress by Michael Webster, untitled Star Trek episode. And you know that The People features the voices and ideas that make up the cultural landscape of Los Angeles, the West Coast, and beyond. It's like a broken record that's been magically repaired. Joe Sola and Michael Webster, welcome to The People. Yeah, welcome, guys. Good to be here. Likewise. Nice. Uh, so the two of you are in a little group called Shakey's. Tell us about that collaboration. I play the piano and Joe uh, hurts himself uh, <laughs> m- most often. But no, we, we, we've been, it's been maybe a dozen years. Yeah. Um, we've been making uh, performances. I think we aim to entertain. Yeah. Um, and in the world of performance art, that's, that puts us in a, mm-hmm. uh, on one side of a divide, right? Right. The, the the first show we did was uh, many things fell on Joe. We did a, some we did some magic. We did Joe did pizza spinning. We did every kind of thing we might be able to do to amuse people with varying degrees of success. And the piano that you're playing, it, it has this like Buster Keaton vibe, like you're playing ragtime piano, right? Or is that just a couple that I'm thinking of? It's it does have that vibe. I would say it has some there's some abstract components and some sort of 19th yeah. century music in there. We're trying to make images without talking, you know, and without language. That's why Buster, we're, we're, we're like Buster Keaton in that right. regard, right? We're trying to, we're trying to, we're making a little essay each time we put on a show uh, without the benefit of language. Um, and it's because we're, we're happy to struggle for your dollars, right? We're, we're, we're shaking a can, you know, right? We're trying to be, right? Yeah. So, no, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know we're, we really want to yeah. try, you know, uh, and, you know, when, when I came in here, we were discussing adult diapers. Yeah. And this is a jo- jo- <laughs> no, you, let, you let that out already. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, I mean, we're like three minutes in. Yeah. <laughs> it's coming attractions. Right? Yeah. We're just oh, that's to, right. Okay, we're, yeah. we're, we're trying. And we, we used to joke about like, oh, we're going to be these old guys. Yeah. yeah. So they don't know the whole picture about the depends. Then good, we'll hold that whole picture about that till maybe the end of the never. Okay. Oh no, please. <laughs> no, no, do it now. It's share. it's up. We're not going to come back around to it. Yeah, we will. Uh. Trust me, we will. <laughs> we're all we're all going there. Yeah. So you know, yeah, yeah. We should all get used to that kind of entertainment. Yeah. Uh, well, this is probably from some Michael. This is probably <laughs> from some bio <laughs> that is like seven thousand years old, but. Uh, 
there was something I read in one of your bios that talked about the poetry that comes from language. This is one of the fun things about Shaky is that the, the rest of my life, mostly what I've been doing is setting text to music and um, making text appear and reading and writing text, like, you know, kind of like a good artist of the, this universe. <laughs> but I am... Um, and I do like to read, and I'm all for words. I'm, words are words are awesome because we all have all the letters. We don't you don't got to buy anything. It's it's very <laughs> cool that way. There's something very awesome about setting them entirely aside uh, for a hot minute and being in the room, you know, without without any yammering. I'm sorry we're doing yammering here. I don't want to say anything bad about yammering. Oh no, we're a pro. We're, yeah. We were one of we're the first podcasts to come out in favor of yammering. In the early days, so it's a pro yammering podcast. Um, but it's an, it's interesting when you've been just trying to put notes to syllables and express or f make music that flows alongside of speaking. It's really interesting to uh, to be trapped with Joe's body instead of any text. Yeah, and likewise for me to have my body and have it move around and then respond to your images that are sounds uh, is really exciting because I don't have any other opportunities to work that way in a really organic way. I mean, sure, you can dance to music and you can dance to a motion picture. Um, sorry, not dance to music, dance to pre-canned music, but some music that you're making in the studio responding to some movements that I'm doing. And then I'm responding to the pictures that you're making with the piano or other on the other instruments that you bring into the studios really it's an amazing very inspiring process because i don't normally get to see pictures in this way usually i'm stuck working in my own methodology of making pictures and performances and whether the media i work with and i think so, i think so often in art i mean we may even have begun this way but i think we kind of graduated out of it but i think so often in performance art the, the words for what a person is doing are sort of the product that's being generated. So in other, in other, that's to say, lying under a pile of garbage, that phrase is the product that the person is creating in that piece, rather than that they're actually moving their body or being there or, or expressing something in their person. And so because we have this kind of back, we, you know, we, it cycles between us and it's all there, we, Joe actually does express things with his person that are non not in the domain of language, I hope. Yeah, oh no, absolutely. That's the pleasure of the collaboration that we have when we're in the studio and you know, we will have a coffee and we'll have some yucks and then we'll work out some little bits and we move around through our whole show and kind of develop ideas based on um, sounds and based on scenarios and based on movements and sometimes props. And you know, I never, I don't know where it's gonna, go when we're in there but it's uh but it's again it's a very very image driven process for me where um, i'm seeing pictures and relationships to pictures and in, in new new ways and it's you know i don't have the words to to put on them because it's such a kind of a very specific language that we've put together i think in, in recent shows we've actually i mean in, using recent uh, loosely um there's been a lot of almost like rebus, like it's Joe, Joe in an effort to communicate. Sometimes Joe has to put up a, put up a big pad and draw a picture of a boat or something. <laughs> just to be just to be clear, put yeah. on the appropriate hat. You know, there's a lot of kind of mime, pantomime and charades, or that's what is that when you draw them, each word and try to say yeah. it is rebus? Yeah. yeah. 
uh, in an effort to to uh, to express himself. And in some ways, I sort of feel like a, like a, I'm getting a window into Joe's actual secret rea- studio reality <laughs> yeah. when I see him do the dance. Like there's, I could sort of picture Joe in his studio going through these same uh, gyrations, trying to generate art. Uh-huh. That's it. <laughs> and this is what it looks like. It usually oh, my. End, <laughs> oh my. It usually ends badly for us, but hopefully it ends well for Joe. Yeah. We don't mind a bad ending. No. We have a lot of the endings to the shows. Are, I can't recall. Are they? Well, Hintern in the Luft, uh, we have a show called Hintern in the Luft, which means that butt in the air, behind yeah. <laughs> quarters in the sky, in the high part or something. Uh, that ends well, right? Because you have achieved your goal and that's the show right. has been made. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That ended on a triumphant note. Yeah. Is yeah. that the one where you're being hauled up by a pulley? Yeah. Yes, right. Lifting my self. Spoiler up. alert. Yeah. Oh, my bad. Spoiler my bad. No, <laughs> 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 so maybe that's in the title. Skip the next 30 seconds. Uh, but bananas and the Hammer ended painfully. That was painfully, yeah. That was... Mouse trap on his finger. Oh. Um, nothing was broken, right? Nothing. Yeah. Right. Blood? And, no blood. Uh, no blood. All right. No blood. And um, one of the, I think, the exciting things about this group that we've uh, made is being able to do things like like have your finger snapped on a uh, mouse trap with, you know, with a context of a bunch of other gestures and a bunch of other musical instruments. But then the focus of your music coupled with all the other things on this giant stage uh, is unlike anything else I've seen or heard. I got to experience of how through sounds you can completely describe and focus and, and bodies too, all in these gestures and these little, little moments. And then it becomes, you know, for me at least, this incredibly uh, new way to communicate um, something. And I know that you know, we were talking about entertaining, like, well, we want to entertain. And these are really funny. To me, they're steeply funny little gestures and sounds that we put together. Like in our studio, when we um, are at Michael's rehearsing, where it's, it's a lot of laughter. I think. Yeah, my, my wife was like, what is going on down there? <laughs> <laughs> so we just we could just crack ourselves up at least. Uh, and yeah. I don't know if everyone, is, people seem to laugh at the. In, yeah. In oh, the yeah. I mean, I threw out Buster Keaton because they're very funny. Yeah. Like Buster yeah. Keaton. I mean, and is that like that? that effort to entertain is that i mean it's got to have something to do with the the frequent self-seriousness of of performance art right but is it is it that at all or is it more than that that's a really good question i mean i i think i i mean for starters sure i mean i think we just we really want to be there with uh, with our people you know uh we want to be there with the audience and um and um we want to be there at all. As first of all, we're, we want to remain alive, which is an interesting trick. <laughs> so we one, one day we'll get us. Yeah, yeah, one day we'll do it. <laughs> so far, so good. Yeah, so you're trying to be alive, um, and so that's part of why. I mean, there's a lot of like in the music. There's a lot of improvisation. I mean, it, I, I know we know what's going to happen. We know what we're trying to say. We haven't figured out entirely how to say it, and we say and we do our best. Right. Uh, and that, but the effort is lively. It's enlivening for us in the space. But we also want to be. We want to be with the people. You know, we want to. We want to. Uh, one of my least favorite terms is time based. You know, um, <laughs> because it's uh, almost like right. You know, uh, it's a little you're redundant. A, you're a, a little redundant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no people in it, uh, and so uh, I mean, not not necessarily, but um, uh, so we're really just trying to. I mean. And, we each do a lot of the other kind of work where we're doing work that we're not personally there in. Though Joe, does, Joe's, mm-hmm. Joe hangs himself out mm-hmm. from dawn till dusk. He's mm-hmm. a he's a brave soul. It just uh, reminded me of being hostage 
um, Ben said the word hostage. And when we did the performance at uh, Torch Trouble at Happy Lion Gallery, mm -hmm. and we had the, we were talking about sometimes people sneak out of performance art that they're a little bit long, like they get <laughs> want to get out. So we had the idea that we would solder the iron doors of the gallery shut <laughs> during the show just so everybody in the audience knew that there was no escape from the drudgery we, that we, we were going to drag them through we we, we did that we, we we pretended to do i mean we, we right. didn't want anyone to actually die but joe did get it we got a torch and we first joe you know, he, <laughs> he first uh you know uh uh blew up a couple of things and then he took a th container of tacks yeah. And was like trying to fit the bomb into the tax. And he handed out glasses to everybody. And then he went so and soldered the door shut. Yeah. <laughs> By then, I'm sure people were actually thinking that they were going to die. But, but um, yeah, so we, and we, had a, we had a plant in the audience, too, that earlier said this is bullshit and stormed out from the second row just to, to communicate to the audience, yeah, it's okay to leave. You know, like this does suck. So, you know, if you're feeling that inside of you that maybe this performance is a waste of your time like go you know leave great but we're gonna we're gonna yeah. keep the doors yeah. shut and then, <laughs> and then yeah. yeah i mean but that but that is sort of beautiful i mean we, we, whether you know by hook or by crook we want to be there with the people uh, and uh, <laughs> whether they like it or not right. uh, and it, it, it calls to mind i don't know why but there's another show that we if anybody has a lot of money this is an expensive show we want to have funded where the audience is entirely cops and there's just one <laughs> one other person is allowed in yeah. everyone is armed yeah but uh it would be expensive right off duty uh, yeah pay the it was hours. it came down to just guns or no guns like a little extra for having armed which is part of the idea is everyone's armed yeah and that's just so that there's a real possibility of death within the performance you know also we all... have to do a good job at that point yeah i mean if we, oh, yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. I mean, we don't want to uh, but maybe the NRA would put up money for this. I mean, they're trying to, shouldn't they, don't they want to get involved in the art scene as a kind of positive? This is... Do they? <laughs> to try to rescue their reputation yeah, among sure. the liberal elites. Who doesn't? Right. <laughs> yeah, good point, good point. Who doesn't? To return to the question of, of why, it is a really vexed question, of, of why, why, to be, why be funny or why be quiet, silent, or why, be, um, why should we, if everything be so difficult? Yeah, I guess my question about it was like how much of it is is a reaction to like super serious straight like uh, bland face into the middle distance rolling around on the floor performance, mm -hmm. um, or 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 how much of it is something aside from that? I studied uh, buto dance in rural Japan. I lived uh, on a farm, a commune, and with Min Tanaka and his dance company, and studied lots of different forms of buto and. Uh, a bunch of other different movements, and one of the uh, movements was bazooku, I think is what it was, and it's super slow moving. And yeah. I remember in the in the dojo, the first um, time I studied this, I had to I had five minutes. I was sitting cross-legged, and I had to move my finger and bring it to my nose, and it was really difficult, really, really difficult, and. That was the first time I really started to think about this very, very slow, slow, slow movement as a aesthetics and as a way of kind of pushing up, pushing away from um, the way that most of the city, uh, my life in the city, operates. And and I know that sometimes, uh, sometimes we do some very still bits and we slow do. motion in we our do. in our work. Uh, sometimes it's very 
very quick, but we go, you know, back and forth. And I think those are both from a, you know, just from a performance or from an interest point of view that really could be really, really exciting. We, I think, we, we did the very slow pulling a rabbit out of a hat. But then we gave everyone, we did give everyone a laugh. It went yeah. dark. Yeah. And then when the lights came on, yeah. there were two or whatever it was. It was uh, That's uh, right. Uh, there was a gag was, there, but but yeah. it's almost it's almost like it's almost as though we present these as ob- present this that this kind of gesture as an object of contemplation, mm-hmm. you know, um, it's like a scene in a drama rather than being an uh, uh, rather than an endorsement. On the other hand, you, you know, w- when you are trying to entertain people, you got to do anything you can, <laughs> uh, and if you have minutes to fill, sometimes you know, if you, if you, if you can get people to be bored yeah. that's something that's that's, a, that's currency because yeah. then you can then you can turn around and, and do something comical yeah. and then yeah cash in on it and right? michael i think that's when our work is so successful when we're able to switch uh quickly the most different aesthetic strategies right or you know from going very slow to very quick to very silly to very serious to very grandiose i love some of those gestures when when you're singing on the top of a mountain with your sounds and then I'm putting on a cop hat, you know, there's like some kind of juxtaposition there that's really exciting. And to, for us to go from those extremes up and down is, is very exciting. I think that's the, just a testament to, um, you know, your language, your musical language, and then your visual language, because, um, that incredible articulations that you're able to do with your pictures coupled with, you know, the mm, slop, I'll just say sloppy, you know, spasmodic gestures that I'm making as a character. Mine are sloppy too. I mean, uh, I have a foot in, one foot in classical music, you know, and, and, uh, and then I was trained in sort of um, what you would, what they would, I don't know what they, it's what they would once have called contemporary music. Mm -hmm. So I, I I have, I was trained in composition, but I'm a, you know, I'm normal dope taking, acid taking uh, Mm -hmm. rocker type before that. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but classical music, you know, it is narrative. Um, That's why they use it in, for movies or for accompaniment because it has a it has a forward bent it's like you got to keep feeding it you know it it, it dies so it doesn't go around and around and can't like set up a groove and kind of hang out it, yeah. if, if so if it, if it dies if it doesn't get incident mm-hmm. um and then the contemporary music is about just making pictures but it often doesn't have the the there's often people don't make an art an arc or there's mm-hmm. not a um so in the past i've used poetry as a like a an armature to give me some some uh, collection of thoughts or uh, give me the incident to build the shape. Um, but I think in our, for our purposes, it's, it's like, it's, it's funny because we never, we don't articulate a drama in our conversations, mm-hmm. but it starts to happen. You know, mm-hmm. it starts to, it starts to, it starts to build a dra- you know, some kind of drama made out of these disparate elements, but it's, right. but it's, it's but very narrative. This is not Simone Forti. This is a narrative exercise, yeah. I think. And whatever. And it's interesting that we both are resp- doing that because I don't see that too often in contemporary art. I, I mean, it happens a lot, but and I don't see a ton of performance art either. But I think that um, it's interesting that we're using some of those narrative moments in our work. It's not narrative by any means, but we have very you know clear scenarios that happen or i mean it's like it's like problem 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 solving we're going to talk about problems go ahead well it's like you know you go if you go you go see king lear and king lear goes ah 
ah, and you end it with this image in your head of King Lear yeah. doing the yell or whatever, or whatever, or or something else that happens in the in the show. But the narrative gives an occasion for an image to form in the mind that mm-hmm. could be then held. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think um, so. Even if we imagine ourselves as just making an abstract picture, the way we make it is by getting there and mm-hmm. then departing on the on the flip side. But this is true in your work too. I mean, mm-hmm. so your your the, the the VR work that you have up now. Mm-hmm. It has these are little narrative vignettes. That it ends up being like a, just a mental picture. Where you figure yeah. like you're walking around on some kind of, um, you know, wa- it's like the mugwump walking on the dodecahedron. Mm-hmm. You get the picture from walking around in the space, mm-hmm. but it still has a strong narrative. Mm-hmm. I really think it's a lot of like our work together too. This VR piece and the way that it has narrative elements, and then it's also really abstract, and it has some. It's really funny, and then it has some vi- really kind of cartoony, violent bits to it as well i mean to return to your question about whether we're against sort of you know um, someone's performance I, that made me feel kind of bad because i feel like i don't want to be crapping on sin- oh, sincere people's i'm maybe not implying be, yeah. i'm not I, implying I that you're against it i just it is it is um, something you see pretty frequently and uh watching videos uh of shakies and having seen y'all mm-hmm. do it one time uh it's it's very much not that so it's it stands out as not being that. I'm not saying one's better than the other, although I like yours better. But, um, <laughs> but I would say, though, that I, that's, and this is something that Joe and I did discuss, is that we have things to say and we don't have a lot of time. You know, we don't have a lot of time. So rather than take an idea like parent of dead child and make a four hour sitting piece about that, right? I'd rather say it fast and then say something else because life is short. And also, and people, people are, people get easily bored. And we, yeah. so we, we, Joe and I share a kind of urgency. Mm-hmm. We're on a tear. We're trying to, yeah. we're trying to get shit accomplished in a short. So it's, it's not that that's a bad way. Some of that, you, like I said, I have images of seeing Andy Warhol's empire. I could see it where I was, who I was. It, it happened. It clicked. But, um, but we don't have time. I, I feel like I don't have time for that kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't have time either. We're, yeah, we got we got to get the depends. We got to get. We got it. Those yeah, are coming right going. at you. Yeah. <laughs> Soon enough. You're listening to the people on K Chung, sixteen thirty a.m. I'm Matthew Timmons. And I'm Ben White. You know the deal. You can find us anywhere where you find your podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, SoundCloud, any of that stuff. All those places. You can also find us on Instagram at the underscore people underscore radio. Uh, Also, you can go to insertblancpress.net and click on the people at the top of the page, and that'll get you this episode and all past episodes. All the episodes. Check them out. And now back to our conversation with Joe Sola and Michael Webster. All right, I do. Have, I have. I have a question for Joe, actually. Did and and um, just as background, uh, you know, I, it's funny that we were we were talking about our live, low tech, made out of cardboard human interaction show. Um, but both Joe and I do a lot of work that has a different cast to it. I, I do a lot of work with speakers and crap uh, like that. And Joe. Um, roped me in to help him with the technical side, just with some sound tech for his amazing VR piece, which is called Changing Room, <laughs> <laughs> at, uh, at, uh, which is uh, at Honor Fraser Gallery right now. Um, the show is called Did I Drove to San Francisco and Back. Did you? No. <laughs> um, and, yes. and, and you know, and 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 this is, I guess, what would have been cutting edge technology a few years ago, but it's still, you know, some, it's still something else. It's any sort of inhuman, you know, VR uh, world. At the same time, it contains things from antiquity 
um, from, you know, the Flintstones, uh, from, you know, that's prehistoric that is, times, yeah, right? That is indeed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I guess my question, I guess I'm, my question is what, what, what the machines mean to you? Like what it is, how it is to work with the machines, to be in the machines, to control the machines. How, how, how is that, man? Yeah, that uh, was really an interesting experience to be able to work in um, VR. And I was telling the people, this uh, art reality studio that produced this work uh, for me, they, uh, I told them about why I was excited to work with VR because it was probably the closest thing that I've worked with that could mirror my imagination. And, and I said, Oh, if I were a writer, I think a writer, you know, write the written word can do that so much, uh, really well. So you can move from one place to the next place on a turn of a dime. You can change scale. You can change colors and moods, whatever, really quickly with, uh, the written word. But in VR, you also have uh, sound and, uh, kind of a three dimensional quality to it. And in my, in my imagination, my picture of my own mind, that's how my mind works, that it is that I, and, and you do too, we, in our collaborations, I see how we'll take pictures um, and images and just move so quickly from different points of views to different environments. Um, and VR was interesting for me because I was able to, to do that um, uh, with, a, with a project where I could able to move around so quickly and also move my position you know like uh, you know in film you have a you can have a tracking shot move through a space so you could do that um, in a much more three-dimensional environment here and uh, in vr and you can move up close to objects and pull back from objects then you can have all the objects in the room disappear and then take you somewhere else all of a sudden um, and then in addition, add all these different sounds on top of it. So it was really, to work in VR was really just a, uh, an exciting place to to try to say something. You know, in this case, I was um, thought of talking about O.J. Simpson, using O.J. Simpson, the picture of O.J. Simpson as a, uh, I don't know if you guys remember when, the car chase happened. Sure. And Vividly, yes. yeah, and I, I was in New Orleans. I was an artist in residence in the community access station there. And this happened. And I, and we, the, the media people that were running this foundation, was a small non for profit. And I remember thinking, holy shit, this is, uh, this is really fucked up. It's really cool because um, people could see this event on TV and then they could go and get a sign and, and say, go OJ or go this way OJ and somehow could participate in uh, the picture into the story that was happening in front of their eyes. And I, I thought, oh my God, this is like a, wow, this is a collapse between TV. And, you know, OJ was a huge person in my childhood for his movies and his sports playing. Um, and to see people being able to participate in that story was really exciting for me. So, well, I mean, there's, there's an aspect of that in the piece, in the piece, because I mean, and you know, this is, maybe this is sort of zeitgeisty, but I feel like I feel because 
we're inside some kind of perverted version of some of shows. It, it's like a show, but it's not a show that we know, and we're not watching it. Right, we're there, mm-hmm. and and um, so certain parts of of cinematic language are not available. Like the, I mean, you were talking about things changing quickly, but the jump cut or the L, mm-hmm. these things aren't kind of happening in the 3D space. It's a different mm-hmm. uh, vocabulary, but one in which you're kind of implicated more because you can, mm-hmm. since you can turn your head, you will look at certain yeah. things. I won't spoiler alert yeah. on the show, man, but there's stuff you'll, <laughs> you'll look at certain things and um, and then you looked at them. It, whereas in film, they bring it to you, you know, they right. bring everything yeah. to the center of the frame or they keep, they, they, they keep cutting. But that, but that desire, you know, I guess that the, the, when they, in the fifties or something, the world, disappeared and non-chronological universe kind of took over space and then it's mm-hmm. like a, it's like a dream that won't stop you know you mm-hmm. can't you can open your eyes and you're still there mm-hmm. um and oh, that's and, good i like that <laughs> that's really yeah. we want to get back in yeah, that's we, really... we want to we want to be aware of being in it mm-hmm. you know rather than being on the outside of it I mean, usually mm-hmm. tv's happening and you you're somehow trapped outside of it just looking in mm-hmm. but not in this show you're in it of course it's deeply it's become deeply mm-hmm. Wrong. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but, Why? What do you mean? Uh, I mean the the JK, shows. No, but, yeah, but, no spoilers. <laughs> yeah, but but things bleed together. It's you know it's it's a it's a they bleed. Yeah. They bleed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and um, you know it's a good natured it's a good natured exercise I think right. Yeah, I would say it was I I at the I had a lot of pleasure sh- you know showing it to my friends before I showed it publicly and then I was watching people at the beginning. Um, coming out of the VR space and, you know, I saw people's eyes just wide open with kind of like, what was that? Did, did, the, <laughs> did the eye tracking work for people who didn't know about it? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, the... Because he tipped the, me off. See, I knew, I knew, so I couldn't not yeah. do it on purpose. The, the gallery assistant who was there who put the helmet on... It tipped you off. ...told you, like, there's going to be these three things, look at them, and then that'll, that'll be you, like, clicking on the thing, which I heard and know exists in the world, but... I don't know, maybe it's just because of my age or whatever, but I was like, this is like some Jetson shit. Like, yeah. You know, it's like, I know that exists, but it was still just like this kind of, and, and the piece is not crude, but there's a, like a crude aesthetic. Yeah, it's all, it. it's all hand-drawn. Uh, most of the environments are hand-drawn. Some of them are purchased. Right. So it has that, it. it has that sort of hand Never admit thing. it, Joe, never admit it. Yeah. No, that's what, I, that's what makes it creepier for sure what did i buy stuff <laughs> um uh but it, it had some there was some interesting twists right. to vr i mean it's, it's just to get all technical that like when you work on when you do audio for someone's movie you have to decide you have to pan things around and you have to decide on relative levels of different things that are happening and you have to set up spaces and in the vr everything is it's all different because you could just attach an object to a you can ta- attach a sound to the object and it pans itself depending on the orientation of the viewer's head. Yeah. Um, so it was really interesting what things you didn't have to worry about. Um, and then the, the way that you determine what happens as you get nearer or farther from things is a different, you know, I, I, had, I had never had any experience with this at all. Um, but it is interesting just setting up the, the, the parameters for someone's mm-hmm. experience mm-hmm. And, and leaving them some wiggle room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so it's not entirely unlike a performance in that way. Yeah. But. And before diving into VR, were you like, have you... You, are you a huge fan of VR? Have you like experienced it much? Yeah, why? Before this? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I got this opportunity, so I started to look um, at VR. The, the few things that I'd seen before that were um, tried to be really realistic, and I think there was something in the New York Times about 
embedding you near a, in a reporter in Afghanistan. And ah, they were no. <laughs> trying to take you into really violent, specific realism. Yeah. Um, situations. It's disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> and then I uh, started to look at uh, different artists' versions of VR that I had seen. So it's about a, you know, half a year or a year of seeing every VR piece that was out there. And then I had this idea just from seeing what was out there, I just had an idea of something that I wanted to try to articulate in VR. And, and I was really just in the, through my whole process, I didn't do much research into video game um, environments because um, I just didn't have the time to it. And I love, I absolutely love video games. And, and I thought I'm just going to keep it much more in terms of my own language and some of the pictures that I'm interested in rather than to talk about some of the video gaming structures and narratives that, ha that I've seen. And I realized that the designers would build a really cool kind of tease environment that was awe-inspiring in its three-dimensionality and, um, and you know, colors or rendering or realism. Most of them do pretty realism. And then the game would start, and it would just go right into traditional video game scenarios with not nearly the amount of imagination um, that was introduced in the first section and I thought oh this is just it was interesting for me that these games didn't I'm sure there's examples that are different but they didn't push out what could be this just incredible adventure in in a virtual reality space first I was thinking what boy it, that it represents it represents a departure for you in terms of your videos but the more I thought about it the more I thought the more I suddenly recognized that a lot of your videos do have like a lot of your yeah, videos have rooms, moving between rooms, in and out, moving ways of entering and exiting rooms and spaces that <laughs> yeah. seem crazed. Yeah, and uh, like jumping through a window, for example. Yeah, yeah. The, the one with the tree and yeah. the bullet. Yeah, in some ways, this is kind of a shortcut. You actually get to simply specify yeah. what the geometry is of the experience, yeah. and people got to walk through it, and then they know yeah. the space. And it's like you don't have to waste so much energy with the yeah, yeah, waiting cinematic language. Waiting in line to to get the helmet on, I was thinking because I'm. I'm familiar with your work yeah. and and I was like well it's usually very physical even if it's a video it's like a video of something very physical going on like this is a huge departure but then watching people sitting there with the helmet on and like the way that they position their body sitting on this bench and some people would uh like me like look like be looking all around and some people would just stare straight ahead sort of paralyzed and it was also clear that some people were like really disoriented like yeah. the hand like white knuckling that yeah. bench you know and it like it became apparent to me that like this is as physical as getting tackled by a bunch of high school football yeah. players for example yeah you know uh, but for me the weird experience was taking off the thing and then totally. you, because you don't believe <laughs> you you've readjusted to the geometry inside yeah. and yeah. so you, yeah. and you realize how your mind could live in a Cthulhu universe, or yeah, and someone only, else's yeah. body, or and something. only after four minutes, it's like you're you you adjust to this nightmare yeah. world <laughs> and like, yeah. that's unfamiliar to you in four minutes. Yeah. But, but so I mean, you know, mo people we're older than you all, but and people our age, mostly, if you bring up the subject of VR, they commence by ragging or saying, "I haven't seen it," or they'll say, "I see it and it's bad," mm -hmm. or "I haven't seen it and it's bad," or "I think this is evil or wicked," or it's likewise with the games, they'll begin with, "This is wicked," "This is evil or wicked," or they'll say it's sort of interesting as an object of contemplation at some very far remove, mm -hmm. but. The, the the stuff they're doing is cool. I mean, the yeah. technology is cool. Mm -hmm. So and when it, I think it's interesting that Joe, you, you were willing to just grab a hold of something well, that's sort of un, you know uncool from an art in an art universe. Yeah, and I really thought like, okay, this is a chance where I can 
say something I couldn't say in another environment in a new way. Like no it was, one may escape. Yeah, no one. <laughs> Finally, we've got. It. And then the uh, then the goggles they seal themselves, <laughs> they fissure onto the bone, the grafts of people's foreheads. Sola. Yeah, no good kids thought they were just going to drink beer and yeah. stay home. Art came to them <laughs> forever. <laughs> You're listening to The People on K-Chung, 1630 AM. I'm Ben White. And I'm Matthew Timmons. You can find us wherever you find podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all of those places. Just search for The People Radio. Yeah, find us there. Go to the Instagram. It's the underscore people underscore radio. And now back to our conversation with Joe Sola and Michael Webster. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess there was a more, when you do this long enough, you start to forget who you have been, mm-hmm. what you're <laughs> as you're unless you're one of, one of the clever ones who kind of like latches onto some scheme. Like if you, if you have um, if you if sex and blood are the same for you, you become a serial mm-hmm. killer, right? And then so if, if 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 you can do that with art, right, just confuse it with something else, maybe yeah. money or something, then you can be a then you can kind of keep. In your groove. Otherwise, yeah. hopefully, well, that's the other joy to not succeeding powerfully enough. Is mm-hmm. that then you get to try something else. Well, that's maybe that um, you're talking about the Renaissance um, or these old sounds. Maybe that can be echoed or is continued in Michael's making of his own instruments because you make a lot of instruments. And you're, when I'm in your studio, you're always showing me new sounds that you've made in different ways. And then, you know, even... Most recently at the your opera, nice day, for, not, nice day for the races. Nice day for the races. <laughs> um, at the box gallery, you brought out and showcased some of these instruments. Was was one of my favorite parts of the it, 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 opera and the theater of of the instruments too. Maybe I mean that that had a real specific uh, raison d'être, which was that uh, that the show it was I was I said a. Uh, radio play by Samuel Beckett to music, and the the when I went to go go seek the rights to it, uh, the Beckett Foundation just flatly said no, and I was sort of horrified because I'd already yeah, been working for like four years or something. Yeah. And I'd, <laughs> I'd written a lot of music, which was really good, and and I was like, well, what's the problem? And they said, well, it's it's got to be a, and I thought this was very beautiful, a skull cast. It's supposed to be inside the darkness of your head. It's supposed to come to be in the hole, of your, inside the dark space in your head. Oh, wow. And they didn't want any dramatic presentation. And so this caused me to do something. Now, some other people have put on the show, and they've just done it as a radio play where they have people standing in the radio and doing, you know, blowing the little whistles or do the Foley sounds, um, which is, is a little dumb, a little mm-hmm. literal pache, people who did that. But um, um but that made me think think hard about how to present it. So I, I, in my sort of first version, I just had uh, I had a camera. How to put this? I had the webcam on my computer looking at me in my studio, and I would conduct the piece. Then I would watch that video, and I would build the performance, and then I would put the words up, and I would sing the words. And so when you watch the video, you would be in the space that I was when I'm writing the music, and you would be reading the words, and you would be sounding it, sounding them out, and you would. So the show would happen in your head. That was my best effort. And I wanted to make, though, having got to a certain point with that show, I wanted to make it like for reals, reals. You know, mm-hmm. since when I had written it, I had always imagined it at La Scala. Mm-hmm. Um, who's that irritating? Uh, Jerry Saltz uh, told me that I was a fool. <laughs> 
<laughs> we can only hope that he'll, yeah. he listens to the podcast and <laughs> will respond. He said, they would laugh you off the stage. <laughs> um, I'm, you know, let's see. I'd like a chance. And that, yeah. But anyway, so I, I, so I, but, but I didn't want to ruin that, that aspect of it. I didn't want to bring it outside of mm-hmm. my head into the space and have people stand back from the space. So I determined to put the orchestra in a circle and put the people kind of within and without the circle and move the objects through the circle. So then I had the problem of creating these Foley happenings, like for the horse or for the cat, for the uh, the wind or for the pigeons cooing. Um, but but the traditional sort of like objects, you know, in the 20s, people used to do these perform, they would perform behind the screen. And there's this like elaborate set of like trap instruments, they called them at the time. And you could, there are these great catalogs of like Ludwig trap instruments. You can buy like a calf, a cow, and a bull because people then knew the difference and cared <laughs> yeah. which sound they made. So someone would be in the back there wow. with a drum, drum kit and someone else would have a piano and they'd be making all those sounds. It's kind of like an amazing kind of dream performance. It's very similar to Joe's show. Yeah. But, but, but uh, uh, I was trying to create that inside of a building and that you still feel like is in, in an interior. And so they had to be big to be at scale. So I had to make sort of human-sized wind machines, human-sized rain machines, human-sized noise machines. And I have zero, uh, I mean, background in making things. So... <laughs> <laughs> With some good, some good folk carpentry, like, right? Yeah, that, that, yeah. That, that's exactly yeah. what it was. Yeah. It was folk carpentry. Yeah. I mean, some of the, uh, I, the int- my interest in those noises did precede that show. Though we we tried it some out in Shakey's. I had yeah. a wind machine in all the way back at Shakey's at the bananas at the hammer. And, Rob, right? Yeah, the wind, um, machine, wind machine on stage. With I mean, you, which, you know, yeah, which visually too, it's just it's really beautiful and really funny. And I'm sure I don't think people clock those as wind machines necessarily probably don't know what is going to happen with it. <laughs> until until it goes and there's something so magic and it's true this was part of like renaissance uh spectacle making um th- you know that's when a lot of this stuff was kind of worked out and it's it's it that was their those were their special effects mm-hmm. that was big money was mm-hmm. make thunder um and it is pretty exciting i think when it does happen i'm 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 and it seems like the in the example of that piece like your work tends to bring this really super high tech with this super low tech like in the same space which isn't all that usual actually right on you know um uh i i i mean i because i'm torn i feel like i on the one hand i have a great i have a great sentiment and love for the old workshop based economy like where artists are kind of a relic of some a really long gone economic scheme and it's cool that we connect with the past that way, even though that's not how you make shit now. Yeah, so like you, don't, yeah. you can't make an iPhone like that. And it's at a certain point, it's you don't want to turn away from the cool things. that We were just talking about that in terms of Joe's show, that you don't want to not use software or you know, the amazing sort of cathedrals of today, which is open yeah. source software that people are building. You don't want to not, you're not going to piss on that just because you want to do your own have your own atelier and be your own master but you, but so so it's a it's a constant navigation of 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 all of that and in some ways i mean that 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 leads me to yammer on about my very next <laughs> project which is i'm 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 making a sort of a star trek musical show um and star trek itself already has that it also looks like crap and is you know it's <laughs> comically like uh, and, like from what era is it you know yeah. part of the charm yeah. oh, oh, they, they, they got beautiful. the flip they got the flip phones they got yeah. the, they got the doors that open yeah. 
they, they had the the computer, the touch screens, like that comes from a Star Trek because it was yeah. cheaper just to have a piece of plexi yeah. with yeah. like a printout that they could just change out it, it, instead it, of buttons. It, it's pretty incredible yeah. when you actually like still frame on some of the stuff. It's pretty funny to yeah. look at how crude the realities were, you know. Um, but um, I don't really know why. I mean, I, I don't know why. I'm. That's why I, part of why I was asking Joe why he's interested in bringing in the TV in ancient mm-hmm. tv because i feel it also um i want to own it like i want to be it i want to do it you know mm-hmm. i want to do the cool the tv is the cool thing what do we all do when we go home we watch tv i want to do it i want to be it right without having to actually like go pay my dues you know, and you can make you can make the whole show too you I can mean, i mean this is what you did uh in your last piece too you made the whole show all aspects of the show it's about the, you know. one of the problems with being cheap mm-hmm. um, <laughs> yeah being cheap and being manic i think um uh, I mean, in this case, I sort of I started off doing it in a kind of like la jete form, so using just stills of Star Trek, and then then the music would come on, and then at a certain point, it starts to look like memes, like if you see Kirk and you see the line of text <laughs> yeah. above and below him, and then I realized, you know, let a million well, memes be born, yeah. right? You can have uh, sort of a. It's really funny. Yeah, the difficult trying not to have it be in front of you, so it's not a movie, and having not to know in which direction you should be looking, but have the show take place. It's mm-hmm. a show about disembodied voices it's one where these voices appear from a, a planet i mean it's it's so beautiful like it's a very beautiful show and it's written by some i forgot the guy's name a guy gene from roddenberry it's not gene roddenberry no, he's the creator he's right. the creator it was written right. by some guy whose like papers are in a museum in wyoming or in a, a university in wyoming i went and looked him up and he's like for you know his tv shows that he wrote they're proud of him <laughs> um and it's it's crudely written you know you, you could definitely reach in and improve the dialogue but it has a sort of a beautiful and powerful conceit about bodies whether you whether you're in your body or whether you're not in your body and if you're if you're because they're trying to make robots to host their bodies and maybe they they want to really be in a real human body and have love or you know um so it's all very powerful in that way and then he and roddenberry actually got into some kind of terrible dispute uh, because roddenberry decided at the end that after the terrible love triangle between the aliens that they're they're they were going to have to be released into the ether. You know, their spirits were not going to have bodies, and so they asked to inhabit the human bodies for one final kiss. Like, how, how operatic can you get? Oh right? my yeah. lord! They, they have their last kiss, and then they are consigned to oblivion. But the guy who wrote it was religious, and he was like, "No, not oblivion. They're going to see each other again." Uh-huh. So he he took his name off the show, Cause, um, and cause that it didn't end with them it, reuniting. It didn't it was... end with the hopes uh-huh. for for eternity. Right. It had oblivion, which, and to him, that was a negative. But the fact that he gave a shit is so beautiful, you know? Uh, I just thought, what a sweetie. Yeah. And so, uh, in terms of instrumentation then for the show, what are you thinking in terms of? I've, I've been drawn into an, uh, it's a nightmare uh, <laughs> of a technical, a technical nightmare. So, I, I, I mostly, I, I started learning this language called Super Collider. For, yeah. um, and I started with some contract work I was doing for Mungo Thompson. Mm-hmm. I, I was making a thing for him that required some kind of computation on the fly and display, and I started to I put me in touch with Super Collider. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's kind of got its hooks into me. Mm-hmm. And so I've been learning more and more about pres- how to write, you know, just a code-based procedural mm-hmm. sound and music making. Um, and I, it's very seductive because you're, you just look at a black screen with colored letters. Colored letters are so pretty. And then you feel like one of the important coder type people who are the people of today. Mm-hmm. And you interact with them and you send them messages you know, on their Slack and they mm-hmm. write you back and they fix their code. But anyway, the, 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 
I'm I'm sort of starting to work inside that environment. Right. So this is how you're composing then, is basically uh, through this language. Well, is I'm that... using the language to build the yeah. to build the music, so it's all synthetic, yeah. um, and and used as a kind of a kind of catalog of. I mean, it's not that far. It's not that far different. When I was working with Eileen Miles, I did a. It was all about like all the things that people did in the Baroque and Renaissance periods. It was trying to like a kind of cram in an uh, era, and then. In this time, I kind of let it sneak into the 19th century, and I tried to, for a nice day for the races, because Beckett loved Schubert, I tried mm-hmm. to include big classical music. Um, and now I'm trying to include all the, you know, like the the <clears throat> Zanakis and the synthesizer music and the mm-hmm. Forbidden Planet mm-hmm. soundtrack and, and uh, craft work and, um, and all that kind of thing. And is this, uh, I know that when you first started working on a nice day for the races, I don't know how many years ago, it was ah. all, I was... <laughs> You were saying, oh, yeah, I'm doing all the voices, I'm doing all the sound, I'm conducting the whole thing. This was a one-man show of, of just monumental proportions. Is this Star Trek? Is this fit into that one-man show? Are you looking at it that way right now, or is this? I, I'm torn. I mean, I'm, so far, so yes. I, I'm yeah. a sort of a hermit by nature, and I hate to yeah. – I, I can't stand to have people look at my naked self, so mm-hmm. I don't uh, show it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then before long – so I, I do what I think are mock-ups, and then I – often like them and then I'm stuck with them. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's really, a, that's what I really loved about the first iterations of A Nice Day for the Races is just the commitment that you did to doing all the aspects of this. It was just a massive project from me, for looking at it from the outside. Tr- trying to do the soprano Somebody, singing was some of well, the, that. That was a tricky, a tricky it operation. Was, <laughs> it was great. And this is, <laughs> From working with you, this is some of the fun that we've had is just making up, doing voices too, and just trying to do in terms of the sound work and design, doing everything in your studio and doing all different parts and changing the tones and the pitches of our voices and languages and just trying to make everything up and trying to do it all together, in this case by yourself, which I think is really uh a good way to go when you're making things. Well, that's, um, thanks for saying so. I mean, I think that I think that I'm I've been in as I was saying about SuperCollider, I've been kind of drawn into sort of the conversation around open source software recently, and that's an interesting universe because it's a universe in which people are contributing for free and sort of maintaining and caring for these public goods, mm-hmm. and then they have their own use and they develop something for their own use, and sometimes that requires them to fix the dependencies of their own mm-hmm. project. And if you look at the, the flip side, the the other way of working is, say, something that you and I have not quite stepped into is, is a commercial Hollywood mm-hmm. or commercial art uh, mm-hmm. where you have many layers of – or traditional production roles and a kind of a traditional collaborative, like, army, military kind of structure. Mm-hmm. It's groovy. They make you – know, I mean, they make movies. Movies are great. But, but – um, but that economy is not necessarily something. I mean, it, it it can be a fun and interesting and valuable experiment to try do things in a different, in not that way. <laughs> so, I mean, certainly your your VR thing, despite the fact that you had you required some technical help, it was almost like, what if you let somebody dis? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what if you let somebody? And I think things like, I mean, all the any any work that's considered great from antiquity kind of takes on this veneer, and people stop understanding that people just made shit. Mm-hmm. You know, and they, so the opera, it's such a big thing. We have to be very respectful. We have to be very frowny about it. Some... You yeah. know, there was a dude sitting there thinking, oh, yeah. this would be good. Let's do this, you know? And, Michael, in some of our earliest conversations, too, one of the 
um, reasons why it's so much fun to uh, be in a group with you is I remember when I first started to, when we first started to work together, you were talking about um, you're going to have to remind me the name of the architect who and you got all excited and you came and you showed me this. I think he had a book or maybe it was like a drawing on your table or something <laughs> of his studio, which was basically in a field of wheat. And there was a path that he had tromped down and there seemed to be a square there. And that was his office for his architecture firm. And I was like, that's a very interesting idea. And it just <laughs> stuck with me for a long time about how to just to pull, pull, pull everything away from whatever structure it is or whatever craft it is or whatever art it is and try to pull back to just the simplest um, expressions and just trying to, you know, do something as yourself, trying to do as much as you possibly can with that work of art or that business or whatever you have. And that was always very inspiring for me as an artist to, to see and then seeing it echoed in your own work yeah. um, in your, in your own, as they, you know, grow and change and take on different kinds of ambitions. Um, it's been very exciting. Well, gee, you're nice. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, but it's, you know, gosh, I guess this is, this is like the feel good part of the... <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a, it's a ending on a good feeling is the yeah. best way to end. Like, so. Do you remember yeah. when you made eggs? Oh, <laughs> was so sweet of you. Yeah. Sorry about the little yeah. gross bit. Yeah, I ate it the, anyway. umbil the I little umbilicus. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I usually fished those out, but I <laughs> didn't. Yeah. Uh, well, Joe, Michael, thank you so much for thank joining us. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you. You've been listening to The People on K-Chung, 1630 AM. I'm Matthew Timmons. And I'm Ben White. You know the deal. Find us wherever you find your podcasts, uh, Stitcher, SoundCloud, etc. Apple Podcasts. Absolutely. You can also find us on Instagram at the underscore people underscore radio. And our interstitial music, as always, is Ock Fifth by Lewis Keller. Thank you, Lewis. Thanks, Lewis. And we're going to go out with an excerpt from a project that Michael Webster talked about earlier in the show. It's currently a work in progress, and we're going to call it Untitled Star Trek episode. The reading's getting stronger, Captain. Coming from a star system directly ahead. It's not a signal, sir. It doesn't seem to even exist. And yet, it's affecting all my channels. Well, someone or something is attempting to attract our attention. Someone or something.
dead since then. Sensors detect no life of any kind. I don't think it's ever gone awry that fast. No, it has. Oh, yeah, it has. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>